All right, we're in week 12 of college football, which means two weeks left of uh, regular season. So uh, rivalry weekends next weekend uh, should be a great uh, couple series. We got a couple good games this week, too. Um, a couple big ones, especially in the Pac-12 as things kind of heat up. Uh, SEC, a few others are looking more straight and narrow. But um, first, some news. Uh, we'll start with the two, I, I guess, the, the big piece of news, which is coach firings, have started to happen. So Jimbo Fisher, much to the, uh, I guess, happiness of most A&M fans, has been let go uh, along with his, you know, $70 million buyout or whatever it was. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, the Mississippi State football coach uh, also was relieved, Zach Arnett, uh, after one year. Not even, really. Uh, more like two-thirds of a year. Um at Mississippi State, Mike, who else? Who else do you think's on the hot seat coming up? Because I, I'm willing to bet we have more firings, and I'm, I'm curious to think who you go, who you think goes next. Well, there's some rumblings and reports that it might be Chip Kelly out at UCLA. I know a lot of people think Sam Pittman, but I don't. I don't necessarily know that Sam Pittman will be an in-season firing. I think they they'll probably let him finish the year out. Um. Other than those two, I, if we're going purely like off the board speculative, um, I don't know. I know Northwestern's coach David Braun just got an extension. I could see like PJ Fleck. You know, that's one where I think Minnesota probably has expectations that they were going to be a little bit more competitive than they have been. Um, even like a Shane Beamer, if things go really south. So you know, there's some. There are some other interesting names out there. I think, I think the more interest, the interesting conversation, and it's it's strange because you know when when LSU came open and when USC came open, and nobody really anticipated that, um, you know, guys at blue blood sort of playoff caliber programs like Notre Dame and uh, Oklahoma were going to jump to those two schools. So, I wonder if. Texas A&M has a target on some guy like that. And obviously like the, the, you know, the easy choice was Dan Lanning because of what he's doing and how aggressively he recruits, which is what Texas A&M is looking for. Um, he's obviously come out and squashed that, but I, I wonder if there's a name that's just so off the board that nobody's really thinking about right now um, that could come into the fold. Um, if Texas A&M decides like, you know, money is no, ob it, it really isn't there. But I mean, if they really say money is no object and they're willing to pay somebody's buyout to make it happen. Um, I wonder if there's somebody we're not considering yet that, uh, that could jump the ship there. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm of the opinion. I think talking with some, uh, some Arkansas fans, I do think the, the writings on the wall for Sam Pittman, um, Nothing, nothing really to write home about in the past like three years, aside from the first half of the 2021 season when you know things kind of picked up for a little while, and you know he's had some time to develop, um, you know some talent there. I think there's a couple other, uh, like Tim Allen, I've heard out of Indiana, probably not not doing great. Dino Babers at Syracuse, sorry, not tool time, Tom. Tom Tom. Uh, Syracuse's coach, I've heard, 50-50. Yeah, but Babers, like, if you fire Babers, if you're Syracuse, what do you expect to be? 
Like you're you're always yeah, a bad yeah no I agree. You're in a bad that. recruiting state. Like you have no program history besides Ernie Davis and Jim Brown. You know who nobody uh, like nobody who doesn't have an AARP card saw play. Like there there's just not like there's not the the brand name there for that school. And and if you want to fire a guy just to like reinvigorate the program, sure. But like. But it, do, who do you expect to get if you're Syracuse that's going to take you above where Babers has gotten that pro? They're, this year has been kind of weird because they've had a lot of injuries and they've had a, like Schrader's been a little bit up and down and they've had some ugly losses. But on the whole, I feel like Babers has them, you know, do they win eight, nine games a year? No. Do they usually play competitive football against most teams they play and they're usually good for a serious scare whenever there's a top 15 team traveling up to Syracuse. Yeah. And if you're Syracuse, that's like the, that's what you should be hoping you can do every year. You know, if you luck into an experienced class and you can make a run at, you know, eight, nine wins and challenging for a division title or, or a championship game appearance. Sure. But like, I don't know. So they do. I mean, they are, and they do have the chance to make a bowl. They're five and five right now. Um, I think the problem is they're one in four or one in five in conference play. I think that's why people keep talking about it as if it's more yeah. serious. I, I wouldn't like flying Babbers. I think you got to give some guys a, a long time to recruit. I, I would be interested. I heard this name passed around, and I, I don't think it'll happen because Iowa's playing very well. But Kirk Ferentz at, a, at, a, at a Iowa just because of you know the sun coaching. Offense has been not good. I mean, but the flip side is – you know, that defense is so impeccably amazing that, like, how can you fire a coach that's seven and two? You know what I mean? Like, it just, I, I just think Iowa has some problems with skill positions and on offense, and maybe they need a, a little better offensive coordinator than they got right now, as opposed to it being an actual head coach problem. Yeah, I think the, the rubber's going to meet the road when they stop recruiting there on the offensive side at the positions that they, um, that they historically put NFLers out of offensive line and tight end. So like once they stop hitting those marks and they start getting dominated, I, I don't think, I don't think Kirk Ferentz will ever be fired. I think it'll be like a, we, he retired wink, wink. Um, and then, but the thing about Iowa is, is like, that's not an interesting coaching search because they're going to call Mark Stoops immediately. And Mark Stoops will probably say yes. And then Kentucky will be out of a head coach. So like it really, you know, there's not, and Kentucky will probably just promote Liam Cohen. So like it, it, uh, yeah, I I think that one's a little less, I guess, sexy from like an intrigue standpoint. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I still go back to, I I think Texas A&M is a wild card here. I think the the popular picks are like Elko, you know, I, I've seen some people shaking the tree on, on Kalen DeBoer. Um, I like, there's some speculation that Jonathan Smith could leave given the uncertainty at Oregon state, but like, do guys really leave their alma mater? And like for a guy who graduated from there to leave at a time when they're most vulnerable feels, ugh, you know? Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. So yeah, it's just, there's some other, like, yeah, I don't think Florida goes anywhere. Like Billy Napier will be on the hottest seat in America going into next season. Um, but I don't think it, which is kind of stupid because like you're you're pinning all your hopes at that point onto a recruiting class that just got there. So like you're putting this class and Lagway and the guys they have coming in in a position where they have to win immediately. 
And the thing about high school football players is like they don't win immediately at the power five level. The whole point is you have if you have a guy who can recruit at a top five level, you keep him until he gets three or four classes, um, you know, a la Kirby Smart. And then you have a team that can compete for conference and national titles. So um, it'll be interesting to see if Florida actually gives the guy who's doing the thing they wanted him to do the runway to keep doing it. Now, the problem for Billy Napier is he's making the worst coaching mistakes in game that you could possibly make. And I think that's where like they, they've got to reevaluate that staff. Um, it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Leipold makes the jump. Um, I know that he said he, he's not going anywhere. I think they even signed an extension, but like so, there's no reason to think that he won't, he won't or wouldn't be bought out. Um, yeah, there's some other interesting ones. Could like Malzahn could make a jump back into the SEC out of UCF. Um, yeah, Dana might get the get the boot if he doesn't. I don't it. like I don't like that because you brought Dana on basically to make you a P5 program. He does it, and now you expect him to immediately move to the P5 and and be a, a bowl eligible team. That's 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 a tough ask. I agree. I don't think Danny should be fired either. I, I would, but to me, I, I don't pay attention to recruiting enough to say whether or not like the, the trends there are heading in the right direction. Um, I could tell you what's going on in like the top 15, top 20 um, ish. And I say ish cause it just like, you know, I, let me rephrase that. I could tell you who's like in the top five uh, <laughs> this upcoming year. And then who's consistently staying there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It, it, yeah, I, I think I, I don't know if there's any more big dominoes coming. I think it'll be more of these like mid-range P5 programs this year, and then you know that they'll those are the teams that will be trying to beat each other to the up-and-coming coaches, um, like the Jeff Trailers at UC or at um, at uh, UTSA, uh, and I think your guy at Tulane might be on a lot of lists. So Willie Fritz is on a lot of lists. The problem is Willie Fritz took an extension. Willie Fritz, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, but you know he's just older. Like I don't, I, mm-hmm. he has family in New Orleans, so I know he's on a list for a lot of people. I just don't know that he wants to jump ship on Tulane to try and build a program up when he's. I think he's like sixty-five or sixty-six now. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to look a guy as an AD in the eyes and be like, well, when you're 70, you'll be coaching a, a bowl eligible team again when he has Tulane already, you know, seems pretty happy at the university. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. There was a lot of talk last year too, same thing, but, but Willie stayed and, and signed an extension. So it'd be interesting to see. I was going to say the other big news obviously is, is Jim Harbaugh uh, being denied a sideline position as the head coach uh, because the big 10, not the NCAA suspended him. Uh, for the rest of the regular season from being on the sideline. There was some like legalese and like legal infighting about it. It was a national holiday on the Friday, so they couldn't really get it to a judge in time. So he was not on the sideline for their victory over Penn State. Um, Is this concerning if he's not on the sideline for Ohio State, or is this an excuse if they lose to Ohio State? Um, assuming he is not on the sideline, I don't know what part of the legal battle they are in to try and get an injunction or something like that. Yeah. On that front, most to like, not to get into it. Um, most legal sports law 
Twitter professionals is what I'll call them. Um, they're basically lawyers who are athlete or athlete advocates. Um, some of them are doing it because they believe it's the right thing to do. Some of them are doing it because uh, they want a piece of the business when um, the model of college amateurism changes. Um, not naming any names. Most of those people like believe that the injunction will be granted to the university. Um, there's also a very good possibility that gets removed to federal court. And so that would likely take throughout through the rest of the regular season. And to be honest, if I was the big 10, that's what I would do is just file for removal to federal court. Um, and you're probably going to get it. Um, so, cause like the requirements again, not getting too into the, the legal was, I, I believe the requirements are met. Um, regardless, I don't know that it matters that much. I don't think anybody like Moore has been coaching part of the season as the head coach. I think that this team is at the point where, you know, where Harbaugh matters, I think. And, and I think Bud Elliott made this point on, on the cover three podcast was that it, those, some of those in-game decisions like to go or not to go, um, like, you know, the aggressiveness of some of the play calling on, on certain downs and in certain situations, um, those are the ones like a, a head coach who has a good feel for the game can make the difference in those situations. But like schematically, Harbaugh is not the sort of like, you know, Lincoln Riley, um, Chip Kelly to a certain extent. Uh, one of those like coordinator coaches who who does the game planning on one side of the ball um, and, and it implements and calls the plays. Um like, you know, I look at it similarly with North Carolina. If Mac Brown were suspended, does that really matter to the way that North Carolina plays on the field? Probably not. Um, it, you know, I, I don't know that – I think that the as far as an excuse and the narratives go, I think it's two sides of the same coin because if he's not there and they win, it's um, – you know, we're winning, they're winning for Harbaugh. They're playing, you know, with more motivation now that he's gone. If they lose, then the other side of that is, oh, well, like Harbaugh wasn't there. If they had our, you know, so you can make the argument both ways. I don't think it actually matters that much. I think that as far as like motivation for Michigan, the damage is already done. Like they're going to be motivated the rest of the season because of, you know, the perceived John, you know, Harbaugh doing the we're, we're America's team now thing. Like, they're, they already have the internal motivation that they're going to get from this. Um, it's very funny that it was self-inflicted by hiring the world's worst counterintelligence analyst. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, I, like, I, do I think it matters that much on the field? No. Do I think it's interesting drama? Yeah. Um, I think it's way more fun when it's like Connor Stallions wearing like bad disguises uh, than it is, you know, like motions and, and injunctions. Although, you know, I obviously understand and, and can read that stuff with interest being a law student, but um, it, it's way less sexy than the, the international man of mystery, Connor Stallions running around on the sidelines. So, um, yeah, as far as the impact on the field, I don't think it really matters that much. I think they still go out and beat Maryland pretty handily this weekend, whether or not he's there. And then for the Ohio State game, I think the juice is there no matter what. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's – I'll stop rambling. I, I, I do agree. I think 
I, I mean, part of me does think Harbaugh being on the sideline matters. I mean, I, I very much believe that. I just don't know how much it matters compared to him, you know, making a solid game plan, which he already does, and then giving it to his guys. Like, you know, like, you know if the offensive coordinator is already calling the plays, if the defensive coordinator is already calling the plays, then, like, you know, he's a game manager at that point and directing those guys as opposed to having a hand in what the play calls are. So if that hasn't changed, I think they're good. I just think I, – I personally don't think it's a fair ruling. I don't know that I, – I, and I'm not by any means a Michigan, like, diehard fan. I have obviously rooted for them on this podcast. Um, I'm just not comfortable with arbitrary, like, punishments when the NCAA themselves have not come out with a conclusive – um, you know, investigation. And I think if this were your program, you listening to the podcast right now, right? And the same thing was happening. Yes, you're p- maybe possibly at fault, but you'd probably want a full-scale investigation as opposed to a last-minute jump on, um, you know, just dole out a ruling without a formal investigation. And then you might make the ruling worse later on. That just seems very arbitrary and and. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. I think it's bad for the sport. I do. Um, And I'm not a fan of how the Big Ten's handled this at at, at all. Yeah, I mean, I the part that seems arbitrary to me is not suspending him during the middle of the week, too. Correct. Only suspending him on game days is the part where I think that the the case for the Big Ten falls apart. Like Because the way that they frame the suspension is that he's suspended pending the results of the investigation, which if you want to do that, like – do I think it's do I think it's right? Mm, probably not. Do I think they're within their right based on the the rule that they're citing? Maybe, um, but the, you can't half measure it, right? If you if you make it this half measure where he's only not allowed to be on the sideline during game days, well, the whole point, uh, like the whole problem here, is that if you're blaming this on Harbaugh, it's Harbaugh's program and what he's the way that he's running his program on a day to day basis is the problem. So pending the results of the investigation, he should be suspended and away from the program if that's the, w- if that's the way you want to go. But if all you're saying, like, to, to make it just a weekend thing, to me is where this, like, it's, it's an unprecedented punishment because they haven't used this rule to enforce any, like, cheating scandals before. Part of that is they just haven't had a cheating scandal like this, and that's the easy undercut to, like, oh, this is – you know, completely outside of precedent. Well, there is no precedent. Nobody's ever been caught doing this in the in the entire NCAA. Never mind the Big Ten. Um, so the I, I think the Big Ten can make the argument that this is a unique situation, and they they felt they had to respond. Now, the way that they responded, I think, opens themselves up to to being labeled as you know applying an inconsistent punishment or doing something pretextually. Um, and, and so I think that's where it's a problem. But like I said, I think if the Big Ten wants to wants to dig its heels in and really make this difficult, just take it out of state court and then nothing will happen before the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the games. Um, we got a pretty good slate. We're going to start off with one that's not technically ranked, uh, app state at JMU JMU currently undefeated, uh, nine point favorites in this game at home over under 55. This is a 2 PM kick. Uh, interestingly enough, it was just revealed to us that JMU will not be given a waiver for bowl eligibility. So they are completely reliant on um, other group, like other teams losing and there not being enough like six and six teams to fill 
the actual slate of bowl games. Uh, but JMU minus nine. Mike, who do you got in this one? The uh, game day will be there as well, so that should be very cool. See a, a spot game day hasn't gone to before. Yes. Um, I, I'm i on JMU minus nine. Um, App's been playing better. Uh, they ha- they hit a rut in the middle of the season. Um, but since, I think, Southern Miss, they've been playing a lot better, um, including a 42-14 to 14, uh, win over Georgia State last week. But I, I think this ruling, combined with game day being there, it's a good atmosphere. App State always plays hard. But, um, you know, I, I think JMU really shows up in an emotional way. It hurts that they lost their stud defensive end um, for the season, I think two weeks ago now. Um, but I think overall, yeah, App beat Southern Miss 48-38 as 17-point favorites. Uh, they that Southern Miss is bad. And before that, Old Dominion, Old Dominion and Coastal had both beaten them. Since they've beaten Marshall 31-9 and Georgia State 42-14. So um, they've gotten something figured out there. Uh, for themselves, I, I just think this is a situation where you take the emotions of both game day and the uh, and the denial here and run with it. Um, just looking up the splits, sorry. Um, yeah, I, Vegas is pretty split on this. Fifty percent of the tickets, fifty four percent of the cash on JMU. Um, so I'm gonna roll with the Dukes and the emotion of of everything coming together for. A, a statement win here. Uh, I think they win by, let's say, 14. I I am kind of on the opposite here, not because I don't like JMU or I don't think they're great. Um, I just – App State is great at playing electric, like, spoiler games at times, and this to me feels like one of those that you could see um, – you know, what is clearly a better team maybe perform poorly because of the lights and because of the pressure and because of, you know, the increased attention. And like we saw, you know, App State not afraid to kind of get their hands dirty on or or or, or play, you know, very well, especially when the spotlight's on them. We saw that a lot last year. I, I didn't mean dirty there. I, they, and, and they've been handling teams pretty handedly um in their conference right they're putting up like 30 40 points even against good teams like unc um you know so i i think there's potential there for them to overcome now is app state the best team no is app state a good team yes and i think nine is just a little too high for a high pressure game so i'll i'll probably lean app state here plus nine uh utah at arizona uh ranked on ranked matchup utah is actually underdogs 230 kick or yeah, 230 kickoff, over-unders 45. Uh, Mike, do you like Utah or Arizona in this one? Um, Sorry, I didn't give out record. Six and four last week on the card overall this season, 64, 54, and two. That's uh, 54%. We're up seven units thanks to uh, a two-unit bump on Michigan after the announcement uh, last week. So when I go to Virginia to place my legal wagers, um, I will have JMU minus nine, and I don't know who wins this game just because Arizona's been really good at home. Uh, but I'm taking the over, over 45. Um, 
Arizona's been scoring consistently in the mid-20s. Utah seems to have figured something out on offense with the way that they played last week. Now, they weren't good for most of the game, but they were great in the second quarter against Washington. Um, and combine that with the Arizona – what was it, Arizona State score where they won like 55-3 to the week before. Uh, Barnes seems to be playing a lot better, and I don't know what clicked for Utah. Um, but they still have – you know, I, I don't think Whittingham's team's really – like not go on quit watch, but um, like they they play hard in every game they're in. Uh, Jed Fish really has something rolling. I think their scare was last week against Colorado. So I think this is two teams that are actually going to have a lot of motivation. This should be a pretty fun game. But to me, that equals points with the way that Utah has been playing. Um, and, and I realize they are two good defenses, but I think that these offenses have a lot of momentum going right now. Um, and so I think 45, you know, you, you need each team to get to like 23. Um and I, that just feels like a number that can hit here, and this might turn into like a sneaky er, shootout for two teams that have built the reputation on defense. I don't hate that. I, I'm going to go with Utah here. Uh, money line, obviously, one plus one means nothing in college football. You're just betting money line. Um, so I, I think, look, Arizona's a good team. Uh, they've played very well this year. I'm just Utah fights like crazy in these games and even with cam rising out you know they are very much in the mix of uh, of a team that can i think i mean i think they could still there's still a possibility they they go to a new year six do you not think i mean if they really won out they need losses in front of them i believe because they would be they would have beaten arizona and colorado to finish out the season and they would be nine and three. I guess maybe nine and three. You really need ten wins there. But I still think a great showing this year for Utah. And I'm not fully convinced that Arizona is who they say they are. So I'll take Utah here, just risking that Utah is going to come out firing. Yeah, I mean, on the New Year six thing, they would need. Um, they would need right now. They're fifth in the Pac-12. They're behind. Uh, USC because one of USC's losses is out of conference. Um, so, yeah, and USC has one more conference win. Sorry, they have the same amount of losses. Utah would have the tiebreaker, so presumably they would be fourth. But the problem, real problem is that uh, for they would need Oregon State, I think, to lose both games, which they do get Washington and then Oregon, so that's certainly possible. Um so they, there's a chance that they're the third team, a very good chance, I would say, that they're the third team in the uh, Pac-12. But if if the Pac-12 champ were to be the team that would be left out, I have a hard time seeing three Pac-12 teams in the New Year's Six. So um, I guess it's on the table if, you know, the Pac-12 champ makes the playoff and then you could have two in the New Year's Six, which is certainly possible in this era of college football. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – I like I said, I, I don't think it really impacts the way that they play. I think Utah is a pretty consistent team. They're always very experienced. Kyle Whittingham's a great coach, so I, I just ex- I expect them to play with a lot of motion. I I think they probably win, but I, I'm not going to doubt Arizona at home the way they're playing. Um, so I, I'm just staying away from the spread because I really have no idea who who comes out. And this may be like a last team of the ball sort of situation. So um, yeah, I, I feel comfortable just saying. 
you know, I think ultimately these teams creep at least creep over the 45 total. I like it. I like it. Uh, next game of the sleep. Georgia at Tennessee. Georgia's 10.5 point favorites over unders 58.5. Obviously, Tennessee, not the team they were last year. Is 10.5 too much, Mike, or does Georgia cover handedly here? Uh, I think it might be. Um, it feels I, like it, right? Yeah, I've been, I've been on – I've read Georgia like a book. Like, I keep saying this every week. Um, besides the total in UGA Mizzou, I have been very accurate with when I think Georgia is going to blow somebody out. Um, I thought they were going to blow out Kentucky. They blew out Kentucky. I thought they were going to blow out Florida. They blew out Florida. I thought they were going to blow out Ole Miss. They blew out Ole Miss. Um, I think they win this game, and I think they win it pretty convincingly just because I don't – I think that it's more about Tennessee not being great. Um then it like I think Tennessee's a bit fraudulent then and obviously because they had the easiest spot to go to Missouri and win you know a, against a team that had just come out of the meat grinder that is playing Georgia and they lost thirty seven to seven um, so like I, I just like Tennessee has looked very bad in every loss they've had this year and they, their wins aren't that great either so um, I. If Tennessee plays with a little bit of motivation at home, there's a chance they can sniff around and make this like a a late, you know, backdoor cover sort of situation. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take the under um, 58 and a half. And this is me just like taking against this Tennessee offense this year. I think all of their totals have been slightly inflated because of, you know, last year and Hypo and, you know, the, the offense that they run and everybody expecting Milton to be a, well, a lot better than he is. But the truth is he's just not been good and, and consistent. So um, I I think that they're going to have a lot of problems with this Georgia uh, defense. And on the other side of the ball, like Georgia's not going to cover 58 by themselves in this game. Um, and I do think Georgia's offense looked very good against Ole Miss last week. That they did. Yeah. I think that there's a chance they just don't look as clean on the road in Neyland, um, in a game where that crowd will be fired up, you know, so I expect some mistakes. I think that kind of inhibits their scoring potential a little bit. So, you know, am I certain that, Tennessee can't make this a game. No, what I do, what I do think will happen is I think Tennessee will really struggle to put up points, uh, and that that in and of itself keeps this under sixty. Like the only way that you, you go over sixty is if this is sort of a a shootout game and where Milton plays really well, and I just don't think he's going to do that against this Georgia defense. So um, I'll just take the under. I'll stay away from the spread because I just I, I don't I'm not totally confident that this is a game where Georgia you know, blows the doors off of Tennessee. I think they're probably more focused on staying healthy, beating, you know, winning out, and then getting ready to play Alabama in the SEC championship game. Yeah, I part of me does kind of like, I, I mean, thinking about it more and more, part of me does not hate 10. 10 and a half is, it, it's, the, it's the half point that kills you there. Um, I'm going to still go, though, with Georgia minus 10.5. I want them to hold. I mean, they just moved up to the number one spot. Uh, I think they're going to be looking to keep that because it does matter right about now when we're talking about where they're ranked in the college football playoff ranking. They did jump from number two to number one over um, Ohio State. So I, I do want to see them 
if I'm them, I imagine there's pressure to, to outperform a Tennessee team that, that last year was very good, and, and this year hasn't been doing poorly. So I'm actually going to, despite what I said, lay the number here at 10.5 um, on a lean. I'll probably bet this. Um, I just Tennessee does not has not looked inspired lately, and I just I don't see them coming out on top here. Um, they they've beaten they beat Kentucky at Kentucky, which is a nice win. Yes, um, yes. they beat a Texas A and M team at home that fired their just fired their coach and paid him seventy seven million dollars to never coach them again. They beat South Carolina at home, uh, a team with no offensive line. Um, and then before, but before that, they got blown out in the swamp, um, and they beat Virginia at home, which is a different team now, and they've been playing a lot more competitive. And they beat UTSA at home with an injured Frank Harris. Besides that, they've beaten um, can, uh, UConn fifty nine to three, who just lost forty four to three to JMU. Uh, and besides that, like their losses are bad. They they lost thirty six to seven to Missouri, thirty four to twenty to Alabama. Uh, and 29-16 to Florida. Like, I, I don't understand why this Tennessee team is even ranked anymore. Every time they play a team that's r- good in the top 15-20 or in like a decent, like a, a decently tough road spot, you know, obviously I'll give them credit for the Kentucky one, but they got blown out at Florida, and we all know Florida's not great. So I just the, – the, uh, to support your point on the 10.5, like – these two teams on neutral field, I think Georgia wins by 21. Um, it's just more, I think, you know, Neyland's going to be rocking a bit. Um, Georgia's, this is the third of a string of three pretty tough games. Um, and this is the easiest of them, but it, it's still it's still a tough string here. And so I think there's just maybe not the same fire under Georgia to go out. Because, like, that's what it's all about is, like, does Kirby have the motivation in his guys where they're going to go out and just curb stomp somebody. And this just feels like they haven't been able to do it every single week this year. And so you got to just pick your spots with this Georgia team. So I, I don't think this is the spot for that to happen. Um, but I, I could certainly see why 10 and a half makes this an enticing number, because I think that's probably factored in here a bit. And so I think there's probably some value if you just look at it on paper on Georgia. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. Uh, next big one, an in-state rivalry, uh, Kansas State at Kansas. Uh, Kansas State is minus 8.5, over-under is 56.5, 7 p.m. kick. This should be a really great one. Probably a less appreciated rivalry just because it never takes place on rivalry weekend. Um, who, who do you think you got here, Mike? I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm up front here. I'm taking Kansas State. I think they've been playing very well in Kansas. I thought kind of dropped off in the last couple of weeks. What do you think? I was trying to figure out why this line was at eight. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remembered that Kansas, Jake Bean got hurt in the last week. So now Kansas is on their third quarterback. Um, I don't know. Because, like – yeah. This is, by the way, this is a lean. This is not a play because yeah. of the injury. I have no plays here. Definitely on paper, I would say Kansas State, you know, it's a rivalry game, so that should, motivation-wise, that should help negate, you know, Kansas's uh, home field advantage. But you have two really good coaches. Um, it's I, – I just don't – I don't know enough about a third-string quarterback from Kansas to really have any faith in what's going to happen in this game. 
So, like, yeah, could, do I think Kansas State should win? Yeah. Um, could I see a miracle where, like, Lightpole figures something crazy out? Also, yeah. So, and I like there's a there's a chance that Kansas still doesn't win, but at eight, you know, if they push this to overtime, you cover or it, like it, there's just there's so many scenarios where Kansas keeps this close. Um, so I I don't know I there's just too much volatility in this game for me to feel comfortable on anything. So I, I'm just gonna stay away from, away from it. Should be a fun atmosphere and a really interesting game. Um, but I, I do wish Kansas really had one of their two quarterbacks who can function because that would make this a lot more fun. I, I would agree, you know, and I think, I hope this does stay close and is not a blowout blowout. I, I, again, I'm 50, 50 on whether I lay this or not, but, um, it should be a fun little matchup last big game of the week. I think this will be the best game of the week. Very excited. Washington at Oregon State. Um, Washington is two and a half point underdog. Over under is sixty three and a half. I'll tell you, Mike. Um, Oregon State looks really good despite being eight and two. Uh, and there's a lot of people who think they're going to crush Washington here. Do you agree? No, I don't. But the the Vegas splits are scaring me off. Um, I do think Washington wins this game. I like. I've been looking at some of these. So this one in particular, I'll highlight. The market spread is Washington plus two and a half. PFF has it Washington plus 1.6. So there's about a point of juice on, to the to the Oregon State, or, or I guess to the Washington side, if you're favoring Washington built into this number, which I, I tend to agree, and, and I don't even know that, like, if I were setting the line on this. Because, like, Washington, yeah, they've been playing tough games over and over and over again down the stretch here. But I think part of that is how hyped they were at the beginning of the season. Um, and some they've had some key injuries, and I just think they're getting the best shot of most teams that they play. Um, and, and Oregon State has looked good because I think they've gotten some fortunate scheduling quirks here where they've played some teams after they've gone and, and given some teams, you know, uh, or, or after some of these teams they've played have really sort of emptied the tank against other opponents. Um, I know Stanford, you know, last week that it was 62 to 17, but that was coming off of, you know, two weeks before where Stanford gave Oregon its best game of the week or best game of the year. I mean, they they beat Colorado at Colorado. Before this this latest win, they beat Colorado at Colorado 20, by seven in a game they let them back into um, against one very bad defense, and DJ did not look that well. Before that, they went to Arizona and lost. Um, you know, but they, they beat UCLA by two touchdowns. They – you know, they went up to Cal and won by 12. Um, and then obviously before that was the Utah game. So, like, yeah, they are they are winning. Um, are they winning convincingly enough for me to say that they are going to absolutely – like, they should be favored at home against a Washington team that has a potential Heisman winner quarterback and, like, three NFL wide receivers? I don't know about that. Like, and I – my head says Washington still finds a way to win this game because that's what Washington has been doing all year. Um, but, you know, I, I just think – I think the fact that the the 
you know, power players in Vegas are also buying into this hype is what sort of scares me off of it. Like, uh, they know something I don't. Um, I mean, so, that is kind of our system where we follow these. these yeah, exactly. And, and bats. So I, I also originally thought Washington plus two and a half was, was the play. And now I'm starting to rethink it. I have also watched Oregon state in, in, in multiple weeks. And I've been very impressed with how they play. This is not going to be an easy game for either team. You know, know, I I mean, it it definitely won't be. I, I just, I think out of these, like since the Oregon game, Washington got Arizona state's best shot. And then they got crushed by Utah. Uh, Washington got Stanford's best shot. They got crushed by uh, I think two consecutive teams. uh, One of them being Oregon state, obviously. Uh, Then Washington played USC, got their best shot. Uh, and then Washington or USC sort of folded like a house of cards on the road against Oregon. Um, and now they get Oregon state. So I, I just, I think that what's built into this number is more just like, yeah, Stanford slugged to a win on the road at Washington state. And then they got blown out by Oregon state. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of uncertainty with the way that Washington's played being built into this number, but I still think they're definitely the more talented team and should not be underdogs on the road. But um, yeah, like I said, 72% of the cash being on Oregon state tells me something that somebody knows a thing that I don't. And so I will just stay away from it. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Mike, let's run down your picks. What you got for this week? Um, We didn't talk Michigan, Maryland, but I am on the under uh, 49 and a half. I just like, I think whether or not Michigan scores a ton in this game, I, I think they limit uh, what um, – I, I think that there's a chance that, uh, like, there's just a little bit of a look ahead for Michigan. I still think their defense plays pretty well. Um, I just think overall that, like, Maryland has not – been the same team they were at the beginning of the season offensively. Uh, This is a sneaky spot for uh, Michigan having to go on the road. I do lean laying the 19 and a half just because I think Michigan still is going to play with a decent amount of motivation. Um, But I think offensively they're going to play a little bit more conservatively um, to keep everybody healthy for next week. So, um, or it's not next week, it's the week after, right? Uh, week F. No, uh, should be next week, right? Next oh, week's rivalry week. Yeah, yeah, it's next week. Um, sorry. So, yeah, I, I think with that in mind, I, I just think that there's a chance that this Michigan game goes a little like they're not going to want to put anything new on tape. It's going to be a lot of like you know similar to the second half of last week where it's run the football, burn clock. Uh, and get out healthy and with a win. And I, I just don't know that um, this Maryland team coming off a 13-point win uh, at Nebraska, a 15-point performance against Penn State. Um, you know, they did score – they scored 27 at Northwestern um, and 24 against – or, yeah, 24 at home against Illinois, but Illinois' defense is not that good. So I think just since – since the team we saw dominate Indiana, they just have not been the same offense. And so overall, I could see this, you know, 
relatively lower scoring than I think we would probably expect otherwise if this game was played like four weeks earlier. Um, and 25 for each side is a lot of points. I, I just think Maryland probably stays somewhere in the teens, and then you would need Michigan to hit in the 30s uh, to get there. And I, I think they sort of sit on the ball and, and run this one out. So uh, give me the under. 80% of the cash is on the under as well. So Vegas sort of agrees with me here. Um, next one, I'm taking Louisville minus one at Miami. I think Miami put everything they had into last week against Florida State. They were in that game uh, until Emory Williams got hurt and they had to bring in Van Dyke. And Van Dyke did what Van Dyke has done the past four weeks, which is throw a pick to uh, end the game. So uh, I think the I think the Miami players don't believe in Tyler Van Dyke. I think the Miami fan base uh, is kind of giving up on this season after losing at Florida State. I mean, they're, they're literally giving two tickets away when you buy one. Um, <laughs> So like, they're they're literally giving away the season here, um, but I think overall, uh, I just Louisville still has everything left to play for. Miami just doesn't really have anything left to play for. I understand that you know Miami's probably on paper a similarly talented team, and Louisville goes on the road in a, in a look ahead spot before a rivalry game with all the pressure on them to perform. So yeah, could I could I be wrong here? I could be, but. Getting Louisville basically to pick them, uh, I think you know you got to take Louisville here. Um, the Vegas numbers: fifty-eight percent of the cash is on Miami compared to sixty percent of the tickets on Louisville. So this is a little bit of a square pick. I just I think Miami's probably you know on the next season, and and Mario's more focused on recruiting to save his job than he is actually playing out the the rest of the schedule. So I'll take Louisville minus one. We talked JMU minus nine. Um, Wyoming minus 13 and a half at home against Hawaii. Hawaii, I believe, beat Air Force. Yeah. Um, beat the wagon formerly known as Air Force, or, or the team formerly known as a wagon that is Air Force. Um, last week at home I, for what has to have been their biggest win of the season. And granted, they, they've won two in a row now after beating – uh, Nevada at Nevada, but you're going from Hawaii, which w- might be one of the lowest stadiums elevation wise in the FBS to the highest elevation stadium uh, in Wyoming to play a team that is much better at home than they are on the road. Um, I'm also on this minus 13 and a half, just but yeah, I, Wyoming, fantastic defense. They play really well at home. My Hawaii traveling far coming off of a big win and playing at 1 p.m. Central Time, which to Hawaii is like 9 a.m. Yeah, body clocks all screwed up. Um, yeah, why? I mean, Wyoming uh, is undefeated at home. All four losses have been on the road. Uh, they lost at Air Force. They lost at Boise State. They lost at UNLV, and they lost at Texas. So they're 6-4. and four, They're 6-0 and oh at home. They get a team off a big win coming to them on a very weird time, like body clock. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this might be a hammer. Um, just because yeah, I like Hawaii's not good. I love Hawaii. Um, but they're, they're just not They're I think Timmy Chan can be a good coach. They're just not Timmy, Tommy. I think it's Timmy. Um, Tommy Chan. Is it Timmy or Tommy? It's Tommy. Okay. I thought, it, I don't know why I thought it was Timmy. 
Is it? Is it Timmy? No, it is Timmy Chang. It is Timmy. I was looking at the wrong one. Yeah, look at me. There is a Tommy Chang. I don't know why. Sorry, Timmy. Anyway, yeah, I think Timmy Chang's a good coach, but um, I just think overall, like, this is a perfect spot for Wyoming. Um, uh, Whether in Laramie is for Saturday. Uh, Decent weather, 54 degrees. Um, High wind warning. Oh, boy. Hang on. Oh, are we changing? Are we changing on air? We gotta look this up. No, twelve miles an hour, not ten to fifteen miles an hour. No, honestly, I, that wouldn't change anything for me at all because, like, I don't think Hawaii is a very good running team. Um, yeah, no, it's just I, I think ha- you hammer Wyoming here. It's just all the trends are going in the direction of take Wyoming, and I think yeah, the number, the splits here, are, yeah, seventy five percent of the cash is on Wyoming, sixty four percent of the tickets are on Hawaii. This like. Hawaii is probably such a square pick because they beat Air Force and everybody like who casually watches college football thought Air Force was the best G5 team. So now they're like, oh, Hawaii must be good. Uh, not realizing that going to play in Wyoming is hell on earth. So, um, yeah, give me Wyoming minus 13 and a half here. Um, yeah, we talked Utah, Arizona over 45. I'm on UNC plus six and a half. Uh, I, if you can get it at seven, take it at seven. Um I know at this point, for anybody who's listening, I, it's just like, oh, what a surprise. Mike's taking UNC again. Um, first of all, the uh, Vegas splits heavily favor me here. 56% of the tickets are on Clemson. 81% of the cash is on UNC. Uh, and PFF says that UNC has the value on the line at minus seven. Um, I think their metric has it closer to uh, – or UNC has the value on the line at plus seven. Sorry. Um PFF would set the line at plus 6.1. So, again, about a point of value towards UNC versus the market. Um, I just think, I think it's a good spot for UNC to be going to Clemson. Uh, if if UNC had everything in, in front of them left to play for, um, I would say this is a very bad spot for UNC to go play Clemson. Uh, but, like, Clemson got the win they needed to get off the schneid. So, like, I think Dabo's job is safe. The whole, like, are we going to fire Dabo talk has quieted down. He has a massive buyout. I think he's just playing out the skit on this season, and and they'll reevaluate what they do in the transfer portal. So I don't think he's really under a ton of pressure to win this game. I think most Clemson fans in their heart of hearts would probably say that, like, if Drake May goes out and beats them, they probably earn that. Um, And I just think – I think this is a spot where Mac can get his guys fired up by saying, look, you're a seven-point underdog despite the fact that you're ranked and they're not. And it's all because they're Clemson and you're UNC. So if you're going to go prove somebody wrong, you got to do it today. That and the the coming off the ACC championship last year where Clemson dominated North Carolina, uh, I think there's going to be a, a lot more motivation for UNC in this game as opposed to Clemson. And just on the whole, Clemson, the teams that Clemson has beaten just don't have functional offenses. Um, especially Agreed. recently, like Georgia Tech being the exception, probably they beat, they only beat Notre Dame because Notre Dame's offense is not good. Um, and granted, you look at 31 23, you say Clemson scored enough points to win, but also Notre Dame had so many chances to win that game and could not get the ball down the field. And that is not the case with a, a UNC team that can, if the, the only thing that they can do is move the football and, and like, you know, the, the thing I worry about with Clemson or with UNC in this game is that Clemson is usually a good running offense. I think Shipley is still out. 
Um, so that works in UNC's favor, but the backup was running the ball really well. Um, so, um, like, I, I think there's a, the path to victory here for Clemson is just run the football and put the pressure on Drake May to beat a very good defense. But I think Drake May is the kind of player who can beat that defense. Um, and, and, like, Clemson just hasn't – you know, they obviously – they lost to uh, Miami in overtime in a game where they just – they couldn't score on a defense that has given up points to a lot of people. Uh, they only scored 17 on NC State, who, granted, is a good defense. Um but yeah, I just I don't I think if this turns into a shootout, UNC not only has a great chance to cover, but to win this game, um, because I, I and you know I would say I've been wrong with the teams that have kept up with UNC offensively um, because their defense has been so bad. But I just UNC is winning these close games because they're just better offensively and they're able to force overtimes. And with the exception of Tez Walker getting absolutely crushed against Georgia Tech, they probably would have won that game too. So I I just I think UNC at a minimum can keep this under a touchdown. And I think there's a very good chance that they go there and win this game. Um, but I'll take seven if you're giving me seven. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm on UNC plus six and a half. Uh, I, I take, like it. Yeah, take seven if you can get it. Um, uh, last two, sorry, because I'm running long here. Uh, Minnesota, Ohio State under 50. Same logic here as Michigan, uh, Maryland, and basically the same number, uh, except Minnesota's offense is awful. Um, and, and the only thing I think you're really worried about here is Ohio State covering this by themselves. But I think they're in a similar boat where um, they're going to want to, you know, run the clock faster than they nor- ordinarily would, um, try to keep – and Minnesota's defense is pretty good. And so – I think Ohio State has a lot of incentive to just, number one, get out of this game healthy and ready for uh, Michigan without putting too much of either their plays or their signals on tape uh, for Michigan to study. So, um, yeah, I, similar logic here. I'll take the under in both games. There's a good chance they still cover. Uh, although I think it's 27 and a half, so it would be pretty tough for Ohio State to cover and not hit the total, I guess. Eh, there's a world. Um, but yeah, I'll just take the under here. Uh, you know, as long as Ohio state doesn't put up like 45, you're probably okay. Um, and then last one, I'm going to take Kentucky minus one and a half. I think that they like, I think last week's game, I, I was on Kentucky to cover and that game was over immediately. Um, I think Bama scored 21 in the first seven minutes. Uh, but I think that's much more of an indication of how good Bama can be this year and not necessarily that Kentucky is the world's worst team. Um, And South Carolina just has not been good all year. Um, So I, I like Kentucky in this spot. They're a point and a half favorite going on the road, but South Carolina, we just know what they are at this point. I don't see like, this being the game where they really get up and say like let's let's go win one and and beamer ball and 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 really have a lot of motivation. I think that's next week against Clemson, um, where South Carolina could be a, a frisky upset pick, especially if Clemson does beat UNC. Um, I would I would really like South Carolina in almost whatever that spread is, but um, I, I think this week Kentucky finds a way to win on the road at South Carolina and then. Um, 
you know, we get the the frisky performance from South Carolina next week. So I'll take Kentucky uh, minus the point and a half. I like it. I like it. I'll run through mine real quick. Uh, I give you K-State minus eight. That's that's a lean right now um, just because of the injury. Uh, I'm going to take Penn State Rutgers under 42. Penn State good defense. Rutgers unable to score last week against Iowa. Um, I just think unless Penn State's going to put up 43, this is going to hit under. So I'm betting that Penn State will not <clears throat> come out and just completely destroy Rutgers. Um, it should be an interesting matchup. Mississippi State uh, at Southern Miss. Give me the over 46 and a half here. Uh, this is kind of a system play. A lot of these um, just heavy, heavy money on one side of these bets. So over 46 <clears throat> in the Mississippi State, Mississippi State, uh, Mississippi State, Southern Miss game. Both teams can store score. Southern Miss actually uh, has been doing kind of well on offense, just not not good on defense. Washington State minus four and a half. Uh, against, sorry, I have to find which tab this is in. Colorado. Colorado, thank you. Um, I am not sold on the fact that Colorado is not going to lose the rest of their games. Um, they obviously haven't played well. I think um, that they gave last week their best shot. I, I think there's a lot of logic in this pick. The the I, like Sorry, I was looking because I was looking at this one, so I, I'll help. Talk, talk through this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, both they're both four and six teams. You know, Colorado started out hot, but clearly have some player issues. Uh, Washington State has played good teams close all year. Um, they barely lost against Cal. They, I mean, they lost to Stanford, so that was a pretty bad one. But Arizona State, Oregon, like they, they, they eke, eke out losses, if that's a thing. Uh, so I think they're going to do just a little better than Colorado here. But yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, I my only thought is that I like I really do think Colorado put everything they had into trying to win that game last week against Arizona and couldn't do it. Um, and this is just like not a sexy place to travel and play. That you know, I get it. This game's going to be on prime time late Friday night, but like nobody will be watching. Um, and so I, I just. I think Colorado's probably out of gas. Like they're going to start. Like they're going to get the you know you know, take your luggage and go sort of speech, even though most of those guys transferred as undergrad, so they can't really go anywhere. Um, so I just, I, I, if you're like 71% of the cash and tickets is on Colorado, I don't really know why. I think Washington State's probably the more likely team here because I just think Dickert is a little bit more desperate than um, Dion is. I think on the whole, Dion can still sell this entire season as a success because he took a one-loss team or one-win team and turned it into a four-win team in a much more difficult conference uh, this season than last season. Um, whereas Jake Dickert, I think there was a lot of expectation, you know, first half of the season on Washington State, and it all fell apart. So I think if they can generate some momentum through this win and then play Washington tough, you know, I, I think he can. He at least has more to sell. Whereas I think Dion's already done the selling. So, um, yeah, I think from that perspective, I, I like this play for Washington, even though the, the splits say otherwise. Yeah, I I, I think uh, – I, I just don't know that Colorado has the juice anymore. I think this the sales – like the, the, the wind kind of died in their sails, and I certainly don't think they're going to make a bowl game at 4-6 and six right now just because of who they have left in the season. <clears throat> I'm going to take UMass plus 28 – Against Liberty, Liberty's undefeated. Uh, UMass is bad, but UMass is not 28 points to Liberty bad. Uh, the splits support this. 
it's kind of in that same vein. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't love this pick, but I don't know where Liberty is going to cover 24 touchdowns. <clears throat> Uh, gave your Wyoming minus 13 and a half. I'm on that with you. Uh, hundred percent agree. Like it, it's, it's probably my best bet of the week. Um, Hawaii is just going to struggle really badly. I'm going to take rice, uh, minus two and a half at Charlotte. Uh, rice is four and six, four and six, uh, obviously needs to win their last two games of the season to make uh, a bowl game. Charlotte's not great. And, uh, rice JT Daniels is, is decent. Uh, I think they're going to cover the field goal spread here, and their last game would be at Florida Atlantic at home. Uh, and, I, you know, I think they can win that game. Um, so I think they're fighting like hell for a bowl. I think they're going to get it here uh, with uh, JT. And uh, 98% of the money's on rights there. Um, going to go Nevada plus 11.5 against Colorado State. Colorado State should not be favored by 11 and a half to anyone. Uh, again, money agrees here. 99% of the money, 63% of the bets. Um, Colorado state, like just is more or less fallen off the edge of the earth in the past two years. Their only wins were at Boise, uh, and, uh, San Diego state, um, which I was not impressed with either of those wins. Um, and I think they covered against Boise cause they were underdogs, but they definitely didn't cover against, uh, San Diego. Uh, I'm going to take Temple plus seven. Temple, high-scoring offense, not a great defense, uh, but I do think they'll be able to cover uh, the seven-point spread uh, against uh, – who are they playing? Uh, UAB, uh, at UAB. Again, 96% of the money, 65% of the bets. Temple has not lost an inside a touchdown spread this year from what I can see. Um, so that should be interesting. Other two – same vein, Arkansas State plus three and a half uh, against Texas State. Texas State, uh, not a good team. This is a lower end uh, FBS team, uh, two FBS teams, lower end FBS teams. But uh, again, 92% of the money on Arkansas State. Um, Texas State is, is, is an interesting team because they don't really cover when they play the teams that they're playing. Uh, when they're favored, but when they're underdogs, they cover quite often. So interesting. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm going to do uh, North Carolina plus three at Virginia. Virginia isn't good. I don't think. They're playing uh, they're five and five. They're playing frisky, but that to me isn't great. And NC State is uh, on a three-game win streak. Like They're playing good teams. I don't see how they're not favored here to be honest with you they've beat wake they've beat miami they beat clemson oh it's virginia minus three yes oh wow that's a lot i just don't know where this is coming from i I, it might be like i think north carolina state's probably putting their eggs in next week's basket and beating north carolina and so if you look at it as like a as a look at spot going on the road yes north carolina nc state has you know been playing better of late but they also, um, you know, they also benched Morris, who was the quarterback that was getting them there, um, in lieu of Brennan Armstrong, and went on the road at Wake Forest, who I think might be the worst team in the ACC. Um, so I just – and that, that benching happened after the Miami game because uh, – or, yeah, because they are redshirting him. So um, I – 
I think that there's a chance that oh, it's Virginia Tech. Sorry, that's why. Um, I thought I thought it was Virginia. Virginia Tech has looked pretty good. They they went up and smoked Boston College uh, last week. Yeah, but BC BC isn't a good team. Like I know, but it's a good team. But but BC is was at home, and so Virginia Tech going on the road and and doing what they should have done is something Virginia Tech has not done in a while. And whatever Brent Pry has figured out, like they're they're playing pretty well right now. Um, I don't necessarily hate it. I just I think that you know there's a chance that this one that Virginia Tech has just found something at the end of the season, and they're they're sort of playing out the momentum they have, carrying them to a bowl game, and then carrying that into the following season. So I don't know. I, I it's an interesting pick. I don't know that you're wrong. I just I, I'm staying away from it because I don't know which side really has. If I if you put a gun to my head and ask me which side is going to be more motivated, I would say Virginia Tech. But and that feels I, like a I don't I, I I disagree with that. I think NC State's going to be pretty motivated here, but we'll see. Um, and then I have the under forty six in Duke Virginia. Um, that's just a straight up percentage play as well. Um, so that's my slate uh, for the week. We have run quite a bit. Uh, long here but uh, that's been our show thanks for listening and uh, like and subscribe